Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm Joel Grote. And Lynn and I are both really excited today. And we probably say that almost every podcast, but today we truly are really excited because we have Sandra Tanner um, on the podcast with us. And we're just going to be talking to Sandra about her life and her long history. So... Yeah, we invite you guys to join us not only for this episode, but we're going to be doing several with her over the course of the next weeks. So thanks for being with us, Sandra. It's so great to have you on the Unveiling Grace podcast with us. Well, I'm glad to be here. I think a lot of people may not be aware. There there are really just a few Christian ministries that do outreach to Mormons. And Sandra has the one that's been around for a long time. And um Sandra is well known and we all kind of know each other and like each other and work together and God has given us all kind of a little bit different niche with the LDS people who are interested in biblical faith. Sandra, we want to go way back. And first of all, tell us about your upbringing in Mormonism and what your heritage is. Believe it or not, I still run into people that don't know who Sandra Tanner is until they start researching. So um, so tell us a little bit about your LDS background. Okay. <clears throat> well, I uh, was fifth generation Mormon. My great-great-grandfather was Brigham Young, the second president of the Mormon church. And I should say LDS. They don't like you to use Mormon anymore. Uh, they're still Mormon to be. I grew up yeah, Mormon. I, was gonna say, yeah. really <laughs> I think I can still use that. We're really um, forgiving on the podcast, so you can use whatever <laughs> term you want. Right. But uh, Brigham Young, uh, father of uh, 56 children, uh, had 55 wives and children by 16. I was uh, descent from his uh, legal wife, Marianne Angel. And uh, then he got uh, what, 54 more after her. <laughs> but uh, Marianne and Brigham had a son, Brigham Young Jr., who was one of uh, 35 children born to um, uh, Brigham Young Jr. had, um, I think, about six, five or six wives and 35 kids. Anyways, Brigham Young Jr. <laughs> wow. uh, married uh, his, his third wife, uh, Abigail, and she was still alive when I was a young child, and I knew my great-grandma who lived polygamy and was married to Apostle Brigham Young Jr. Abby was a nice lady. She lived up on the avenues here in Salt Lake and had great stories of how God protects the polygamists so they won't get arrested by the government that in the 1890s was searching down all the polygamists, especially the leaders, yes. uh, to arrest them. So. Uh, as a young person, I, well, I was born here in Salt Lake, raised in Southern California. And when we would come on vacations to Salt Lake, we would, uh, one of the things we would do is go see great grandma young. And um, 
my grandfather, I think, had a secret plural wife, but we've not been able to document that yet. Anyways, because <laughs> he had asked my grandma about uh, taking another wife. Uh, and this would have been in the 1910 period, long after when the Mormons were supposed to have stopped. Yeah. But uh, she told him no. But later, when we went through her effects after she died, there was a postcard from uh, some woman to my grandpa, uh, hoped he could come see the boys soon. And uh, we miss you. And the name is somebody else. <laughs> it's not my grandma. Wow. <laughs> so we but don't that was in Was that in her effects? Yes, my grandma had saved this postcard from this other woman. Uh, and uh, we know they lived in that town on the postmark. We know they lived in that town because my uh, one of my uncles was born in that town. Okay. Um, <laughs> but we have no address for her. It was just a postcard. Yeah. So, Makes you wonder if she intercepted the postcard in your grandpa. She even might have hit it away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. but my grandma uh, was... Uh, became a little more liberal as she got older but she always wore her mormon temple underwear okay. uh but had coffee every morning and okay. uh, so, so she was kind of you know a mixed bag on mormonism but when uh when i became a teenager i was going to the mormon seminary high school class religion classes the mormons put on and uh i didn't realize that behind the scenes my mother one of her sisters and my grandma were reading Fawn Brody's book, No Man Knows My History. Wow. And okay. that started them questioning Mormonism. So when I'm going to seminary, uh, my mom decides to start asking me questions from the research that she had been doing and wanted me to go ask in seminary things that were bothering her. Mm. Well, that doesn't work well in Mormonism. You're not supposed to ask questions, not embarrassing questions, that, questions that uh, go after Mormon truth claims. Right. So they uh, would send you to seminary with a question to ask your seminary teacher. Yeah. Did you understand how loaded some of the questions were, the implications? Or no. were you just like, my mom just no wanted clue. to know this? <laughs> <laughs> I have been talking about being thrown to the lions. I had no idea what I was asking. Wow. Okay, so one of the things that came up was, the year we were studying the Old Testament, we're going through uh, Deuteronomy and um, uh, the question comes up about Moses talking to the Lord face to face. Well, uh, in the Bible, it talks in different verses about the Lord God. And so if Moses talked to the Lord God face to face, who did he talk to? Because in Mormonism, Elohim is Father, Heavenly Father, right. and Jehovah is Jesus, the Son. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to use these verses to say that God spoke to Moses face to face, who was the person that showed up to talk to Moses? Was mm -hmm. it the Father or the Son? Well, I didn't have any clue about the meaning behind Lord and God in the Old Testament, that one right. is the word Jehovah, the other one's the Elohim. Yes. And that they're used together of the same person. <laughs> yes. And so God is Elohim Jehovah, uh, not in the sense of his name, but the usage of those words refer to our Heavenly Father. And so to a Mormon, this would be confusing because Excellent. they want to separate the two words out to make two different deities. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So my mom's question to me was, 
okay, who showed up to talk to Moses? Was it the father or the son? I had no clue. Oh, and, okay. <laughs> uh, okay, sound like a fair question. Uh, so I go to seminary and uh, I have a question. Uh, okay, uh, Moses talked to the Lord face to face. Was he talking to Elohim or Jehovah? That was my question to her. And she says, well, usually it would be Jehovah, but in this case, it's Elohim. And I said, well, <laughs> uh, because they were using the verse to prove that God the Father had a physical body. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if he talked to him face to face, he's a physical man. And he right. heard his voice and all of that, you know. Well, so they make it all very, very literal from these different words. And so my seminary teacher is explaining, well, most of the time Jehovah shows up and talks to people in the Old Testament. Once in a while, Elohim shows up. And this time it was Elohim because they want to be able to prove that verses talk about God having a physical form. Right. And I said, well, yeah, but how'd you know that? I mean, looking at the text, how did you know to make this distinction? If, if most of the other times it's Jehovah, <laughs> right? Uh, how did you know this? And she says, well, uh, because the prophets have told us that's what it means. Oh, okay. And I'm like, uh, yeah, but, but tell me how, you know, <laughs> they know this. Well, God just revealed it to them. They know this time it's Elohim, not Jehovah. Okay, so I go home and my mom says, well, what'd you find out in seminary uh, to get that question answered? And I says, well, when I got there, they had moved on to another topic. And so it didn't come up and we weren't able to discuss it. And I just brushed it off because I knew my mom would not accept that answer that she so was you at a didn't point. Need... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell her. Yeah, you, you were, were trying though. to protect her and keep her in Mormonism at the at that point, huh? Well, no, I was just trying to keep from having an argument because oh. <laughs> I knew she wouldn't accept it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I didn't, I, I wasn't troubled by that because at that point, okay, the prophet told her to do it. So this, that's the answer. Yeah. And uh, so my mom was doing this kind of things to me for uh, two or three years while I went through seminary of asking questions about things. <laughs> and the answers would always be, um, you need to pray about it. Uh, God hasn't chosen to tell us the answer to that yet. Uh, it's one of the mysteries. Yeah. Uh, they, they always had a way of putting everything off to, so that I wasn't uh, getting any answer that I could give my mother that my mother would accept. Not a, uh, you know, actual text that I could go to to establish the point. Right. It was always mm -hmm. just, well, we prayed about it. We know this is true. The prophet said it. So we know it's true. It's one of the mysteries. We won't know about it until we get to heaven. And uh, so it's getting very frustrating. Uh, now, at any point, did you take those answers back to your mom? I just brush them off. Yeah, sometimes I'd just say, well, it's one of the mysteries or the prophet prayed about it, you know. So I'd just pass on the same brush off I was getting. Right. So um, I got to think what's next. Oh, during high school, my brother, who's eight years younger than me, uh, was going to a little Christian school not because it's Christian, my folks overlooked that. They had him going there because he was smart and the school wanted to put him up a grade and mom felt it would make him feel too out of place being the youngest kid in the class. Sure. So, so she kept him at this uh, little Christian school. Uh, 
So one day, uh, John comes home, uh, I think it was at the breakfast table. He says, what's a cult? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a, like an eight-year-old kid. Right. And you're living now in California, right? You're not in, in Utah. Southern California, right. Okay. San Fernando Valley. So John says, what's a cult? And that kind of stops the conversation at the table. And my mom says to him, where did you hear this word? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, oh, they were talking at school. They had this guy come in and talk to us. And, and he said Mormonism was a cult. And I, mm. I didn't know what he's talking about. And well, so now my mom's all worried about what kind of school is he going to? That yeah. these people are subverting uh, his upbringing by telling him Mormon was a cult. Well, so then the school sent home a paper inviting everyone from the school to some sort of meetings. I, I assume they probably called it a revival meeting, but I wouldn't have known the difference, whatever they called it. Uh, but uh, some kind of meeting at the school. And after this thing with the cult stuff, mom thought, mm, maybe we better go down to this school and check <laughs> out just what kind of stuff they put out there. Um, because she hadn't understood this at the beginning that people felt that way about, I mean, the extreme of saying cult, not mm -hmm. just, I mean, we knew they believed differently, uh, but cult was the, another step. So mom gets me to go with her to this meeting because uh, my sister wasn't interested in all this and my dad wasn't either. So him, her and me go down to this meeting and they have, uh, so this was my first experience with the gospel. The okay. first seed. Well, I don't know if it's the first seed, but it's one of the early seeds. And you're how old then at this point? Mm, what grade? 16. Okay. So 10th, 11th grade? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we go into this church, uh, which I've been to since. Uh, after I became a Christian, I went back and visited a nice church. You know, that's good. So we go into this meeting and everything's different. Uh, this man is as i recall playing the piano and his wife's playing the violin or vice versa but they were doing the music uh, and in uh, kind of like matt does uh interspersing music with uh, bible material and verses and stories and stuff you know and it, they were so sincere so loving if you could just they emanated uh a love of god that you didn't say these guys are just pulling your leg or putting something over on you. They really, really believe God is there with them, you know, and I didn't know any Christian songs or anything. So, but I was impressed with the attitude, with the spirit of their love for God that they wanted to share with everyone. Yeah. Well, so then <laughs> uh, they uh, get to the end and the guy says some stuff because you, you got to remember i'm a 16 year old that doesn't know any christian jargon and so this guy's saying <laughs> stuff you know yeah and uh, they play some uh little melody i wouldn't have known it was a chorus song uh they play some little melody thing and he says something and which i didn't understand and then these people go down front they don't just go down front they go in a side door and disappear they don't come back out right <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> yeah because they take them back into the prayer room and usually you exit the prayer room out the side door because you've been crying or something and yeah <laughs> yeah so this keeps going on they had us all stand up and be in prayer and then he says some more stuff and they play another little song 
and some more people go down front. And I mean, I look back on this now and it's amazing how many people went, just one church. It's the most I've ever seen at one church have an altar call that had that many people go forward. Wow. I don't even know what he said. You know, he could have said the whole thing in Chinese and I would have got the same (laughs) message. Because you just had no context. No, zero. And, um, and I thought, but I was, the thing I want to get at is I was very impressed with the obvious step of their love for God. And, and so I try to encourage people when I tell them this is just because you didn't see any response in your friend doesn't mean God wasn't implanting a seed into their heart at that time that might eventually lead to fruit. Uh, no one in that meeting knew me so they would have no way of uh, putting me in context at that meeting Hmm. so we get through that Uh, what it did is it gave me a good feeling towards Christianity Hmm. that I had a good experience at that church and I think this is important for people to realize that even if they don't understand this message that God can take the feeling of the Holy Spirit and the spirituality in the meeting to speak to their heart, uh, that, that people love God in ways that are not just form religion of just following a rote outline. And, and it just doesn't mean anything. It's just a yeah. pattern. So three days ago, Sandra, I talked to a man from Draper who had gone into a church because he felt um, compelled to to walk into this Christian church. And he said basically the same thing you did. I think Mormons are shocked to find how wonderful Christian people can be and how sold out they are for their faith, right? Um, That's quite impressive because I'm not sure when I was LDS that I would have known that the Holy Spirit even operates outside of the one true church. Right. And so that's quite eye-opening sometimes for Mormons if they just step into a Christian environment, right? Right. Because in Mormonism, I was raised uh, to view everyone outside of Mormonism with suspicion. I think that was probably pressed harder in my generation than maybe today. I think the Mormons now are trying to get over more of an attitude of, uh, we're all about love and we love everybody and uh, mm-hmm. we're all the same uh, yeah. and yeah. their doctrines are so different, but they try to make it sound like they're the same. Uh, but I was raised on this very black and white kind of attitude about Mormonism's true, everybody else is wrong. And so, yes, it was kind of a uh, surprise to find, wow, other people love God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and do some really good things with it. Right. Right. Like, right. Christian ministries and underground churches in the Middle East and China. And I was really surprised. I didn't know any of that existed. No, I didn't know the Christians did missionaries. I thought the Mormons were top of the pile on that one because I thought they were the ones that had true missionaries that really uh, gave of themselves, you know, go out for two years unpaid and all this. Well, then later when I met some real Christian missionaries, I realized, wow, these people go out for their whole life. I mean, that's, that's the comparison of, uh, what it would take devotionally and in faith to go out on your mission. Uh, it, it's a much tougher go for the Christian to go out than it is for the Mormon. And I'm not saying it's not hard for those kids. I'm sure a lot of them have very hard experiences. Yeah. But 
it's not the full-time commitment that you see in Christian missionaries. Yeah. Uh, so Sandra, I had a, I have a question because you were back in a time period when, it, when the distinctions were a lot clear between, you yeah. know, Mormonism, not even necessarily calling themselves Christian, but making that distinction at that point, did they also use the book of Mormon verses where it talks about, there's only two churches. There's the church of the lamb, which is the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And then there's the church of the devil. And so that, all these other churches really are that or was had that kind of also gone by the wayside by that point it you might have heard something in sunday school but it wasn't part of the missionary endeavors at that i don't remember i of course i didn't go through the missionary lessons as such so i don't know exactly right. what missionaries would have said but the but like the attitude in seminary that i would have gotten was not they would have believed that that uh the other side is all wrong but they didn't say it to us in seminary in as derogatory a tone as you would have read at the time, like LeBrand Richard's marvelous work in a wonder, that yeah. a Mormon book that comes down pretty straightforward on the separation of both views. Um, so I was aware that they were different, but I didn't have a, I don't think I had a real disdain for other religions. I had a curiosity about other faiths. Uh, but they were still wrong. I mean, we had the best deal in town. There was no doubt about that. <laughs> yes. <you know>? <laughs> so we're down to our last few minutes. Um, bring us back to this whole draw to Christian faith for you. Well, I can't say that I was really that drawn. Uh, I had encounters with people along the way. I had a, a um, Jewish girlfriend in uh, junior high and her and I hung around together because we were the two out of place with all the Protestant kids at school. Oh, oh yeah. Sure. yeah. <laughs> we were both outsiders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I didn't try to convert her to Mormonism, but we talked about our faiths and the differences. And she came over one time and helped me decorate my Christmas tree because she never got to do anything like that before. Mm. And I was at their home uh, on a Friday night for uh what do they call their service before dinner? <laughs> the was it like around Easter? Was it like the Seder for be, before Passover? Well, I don't know if it was the Seder, but uh, anyways, they they had some sort of ceremonial prayer before dinner. I don't okay. know what at all. Mm -hmm. um, so, so when I go into Institute of Religion, uh, which is the Mormon college level training. I started that in 12th grade because I'd already finished seminary. And the first year in, in Institute, I didn't have any big questions come up. Uh, I don't know if my mom got busy with something else, but I don't, I don't <laughs> She wasn't that. feeding you questions anymore. <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, I went on to seminary and she didn't pay that much attention, I guess, to what I was learning in Institute. But then the next year when I started college, I was going to Institute and this is where you have trained BYU professors teaching the classes. And I thought, great, this is where you get all the answers. <laughs> yeah. Because my seminary teacher wasn't prepared. Great. I can ask all these things now. So I start raising my hand. No, I wasn't making trouble. It went along with the lessons, but it would draw me back to things my mom had said through the last several years. Yeah. And I think, oh yeah, what about this? You know, and, and this keeps going on. Well, yes, can you explain that to me? Uh, now, what was the verse for that? You know, so finally the teacher asked me to stay after class. 
And he says, Sandra, if you have to quit asking questions in class, you're disturbing a girl that's thinking of joining. And so then I was reduced to page numbers. Uh, the, the, there were, I'm, I'm getting a more sophisticated, pray about it, you'll get the answer later. It's one of the mystery things. Only yeah. he's got more spin he can put with it. So I'm getting a little discouraged with all that. But it was at this time that my grandma was visiting down in California with us and she asked me to come back with her on the bus to Salt Lake. She'd been down visiting family for a couple months. And so I went back with her. And when we got to her house in Salt Lake, she looked through her mail and in her mail is a little postcard inviting her to a meeting. And said she didn't drive and I had my uncle's car for my visit. She said, well, you take me to this meeting because it was over on the other side of town. And I'm thinking, what kind of meeting is mom and grandma? And she says, oh, it's like a Mormon fireside. Now Mormon firesides are just <laughs> Sunday evening get togethers, uh, casual where you have a little devotional, a little uh, fellowship time and not. Yep. But she said, it's sort of like a Mormon fireside. Now my grandma was very cagey. So as soon as you hear Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't. And so yeah. I'm trying to figure out, well, what is she talking about? What is she trying to get me to go to that she won't tell me what it is? And that uh, is a perfect place <laughs> for us to stop this episode. To yes. Stop so that folks will be dying uh, to see how this comes out with this meeting that's across town. Yes. On the bad side of town, I don't know, across West town. Side. <laughs> okay, we got it. Sandra, thank you. We're going to um, say grace and peace for this thank episode, you. Joel, and we'll go on with this story in part two. So long. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.